Hey guys, for those of you that haven't joined us before, I'm John Harris. I'm a professional drummer and educator and best friends with me, Ben Jones. I am a professional bassist and educator. And over the last 15 years, we've been working, laughing and living together, navigating the ups and downs of teaching in higher education and having a jolly old time in the UK music industry. This podcast is our way to open the doors of our friendship and professional lives to discuss all things music and life. Welcome to our podcast, Beats and Best Friends. Heyo! Hello everybody, welcome to Beats and Best Friends. Um, that, that's staying in. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the meme waiting to happen there. How are you, my love? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Yes, I. Uh, well, I'm just so happy to be here in your presence always. <laughs> you look very sexy today in your lovely blazer. Oh, thank you. Yes, I decided to smarten up a little bit. You went a different direction. <laughs> you, you horrible man. <laughs> Difference is, though, you can pull it off. I just look like a 12-year-old when I wear that sort of stuff. <laughs> so you're basically saying that I do look like no, a 12-year-old. No, but you suit looking like a 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I think Nick said once, he's like, you're a glorified, you look like a jumped-up Justin Bieber or something like that. I was like, thank you, mate. I mean, I'd have his career and his life. Why not? Absolutely. <laughs> no, I'd quite like all his millions of pounds. Absolutely. So how are you feeling today? Coming in for episode three. Episode three, indeed. Holy moly. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for today. And I was kind of not planning as, you know, what to say, but kind yeah. of, you know, thinking of some, maybe some of the sort of subject titles that we discussed today. Yeah. And I think that the subject that we're going to, talk about today we're very passionate about for sure something we do a lot of so we're actually going to be talking about teaching today Mm. but before we get into that Uh i have a surprise i would like to ask you a few icebreaker questions lovely so i have three you know nothing about this lovely here are the questions are you ready yes cool they they might take you a little while to kind of have a think about because they're they're quite there's many different answers that you could have. Okay. You'll see what I mean. Question one. Yes. What's your favourite bass line of all time? Oh, okay. Um, okay. I'm going to go with my where my gut pulls me when I hear that question. I, I think it pulls me in three or... Yeah, let's say three different directions. So I would say... Something by James Jameson from Motown, because there's just so many amazing lines there. And I think the ones that would jump out to me would be, for once in my life, Stevie Wonder, and maybe What's Going On, Marvin Gaye. I mean, that's such a great line. Good choices. Yeah, so something Jameson-y, because that's when I really started to learn and understand bass properly. Um, Then something by Pino, so probably... Something from the Joel Mayer trio. Probably wait till tomorrow. That was one of my favourite lines when I heard it. But there are just so many. Even his early stuff, like, not Mayer this now, just Pino's like early career playing. And then the, like random songs that he's played on where you're like, oh, like Adele, um, mm. He Won't Go. It's basically just root notes, but it's just so beautifully played. That's Something like that. Pino Palladino for yeah. everyone out there that... Is not familiar with his work. He's an amazing bass player. Yeah, he is one of the, what do the kids call it? The G-O-A-T, the GOAT, greatest mm. of all time. I only found that out. I literally found out what that meant less than six months ago. 
You're joking. No, I kept thinking, why are people calling each other goat? Like, is that like a new cool thing? Like, is it cool <laughs> to be a goat? Yeah, so I figured that one out. But yeah, Pinot for sure. And then I think as well, like, because, yeah, when you ask that question, when you ask that question, I'm like, oh, it makes me think about when I started to play bass. So I think of like the pop punk stuff. So I would say Green Day. So something like Longview. Okay. Or maybe even something like When I Come Around. Great bass lines. But yeah, that's a t- that's a hard one. Get with some future. I thought I'd get you. I was just thinking about The Office there for a second when Andy does his baby voice. Oh, yeah. And Michael does the Elvis. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Elvis. Well, I think the baby voice was really great. So thank you very much. <laughs> For anyone out there who doesn't know, we are huge Office US fans and and multiple quotes will crop up in this podcast. So enjoy that. Enjoy that. What's question two, mate? Question two. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. So if, and you only get one person, if you could take any dead or alive musician out for dinner, who would you pick? Oh, that's a hard one. That's a real hard one. One person. Again, I'm kind of like maybe Jameson because he changed electric bass playing forever. And to sit down, he died very young as well, you know, unfortunately, alcoholism and not a nice way to go. But to sit down with him and say, hey, you're going to change the instrument forever Mm. and ask him like what he was thinking when, you know, Marvin Gaye walked in, the Jackson 5 walked in. Diana Ross walked in the same day and he cut those tunes. Like, that would be amazing. But also, someone else who I absolutely love and I just think would be so interesting as well to talk to, Ray Charles. Oh, God. For, for one of my sure. Favorites. One of my favourite male, well, just vocalists of all time, but particularly um, male vocalists like Ray Charles. Oh, my goodness. And what a life and story you'd have. And, oh, God, I just feel like all the anecdotes would be incredible. So, yeah, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Ray Charles. Nice. Good choice. Thank you. Solid choice. Thank you. Okay. Some good answers so far. Last final question. Question three. Question three. If you could go for dinner with any drummer, who would it be, dead or alive? Obviously, sort of, I'm trying to get into that kind of rhythm section (sighs) mentality. Any drummer. Oh, that is really good. I love Thank that you. question. Okay. I cannot pick one, so I'm just going to fire off people that immediately to me would just be so much fun. Nate Smith. Obviously. Steve Jordan. Yes. Ringo. No, not yet. Very interesting for the Beatles, obviously. Um, Those would be real. Oh, Copeland. Yeah. I just I just ask him to basically bitch about Sting the entire time. <laughs> it would be so interesting. Taylor. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm going to go with my gut and I'm going to say Nate Smith. That was the first one that popped into my head because I would just have so many questions. Yeah. I don't think he would enjoy the dinner because I would be like, so I've got a couple of questions. <laughs> yeah. And like, the scroll would roll out and I'd be like, um, so what's your thoughts on this? Oh yeah, that's really interesting. What's your thoughts on this? He would be like, can I just get my dessert and you leave me alone? But yeah, I'd say Nate Smith. Cool. Good questions. You're so welcome. Wow. So I was thinking maybe you can do me next week. That's what she said. (laughs) That's the first one. There'll be loads of those. Amazing. (laughs) Love it. We're definitely keeping that in. We're definitely keeping that in. We're office fans. We have no shame. That's an office reference. Absolutely. 
and thank you, Steve Carell, for giving us that wonderful gift. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Is it my turn to ask those questions now? Next week. Next no, we- next week. Next week. Next week. How about, how about this? How about I ask the first two, but the third is my choice, and I can throw you something you haven't prepared. Cool. Let's do that next week. Next week. Lovely stuff. Right. So, today, we thought we'd talk about teaching. Because teaching. it's something that we've done for a long time something that we're very passionate about, mm-hmm. something that we do together as well. We yeah. teach you know, classes together. And I just thought it would just be something really interesting to talk about. I'm interesting to hear, interested to hear your views as well. Yeah. So I've prepared a Me kind too. of a couple of sort of subject titles, mm-hmm. I suppose. Let's start off, if it's okay with you, yes. talking about how you first got into teaching. Yeah. Um, so... And then I'll talk about mine afterwards. I think there's there's another story there before what led to me becoming a teacher. But what made me think about teaching in any form mm-hmm. was a negative thing. Ooh. I had a terrible music teacher. Not and looking back on it now with what fourteen years experience teaching, you know, professionally, he wasn't just a bad teacher. He was a dangerous teacher because Ooh. he was basically crushing people's hopes self-esteem and all those things and i'm not going to name him because i'm not you know i don't think that's really appropriate but he was a music teacher at my secondary school and he without a doubt was the person who made me feel like i could never be a musician which is you know when i think about it now is is really horrible and you know you know He was a classic teacher who hated teaching. Now, why he was still there, I don't know. But he clearly didn't like young people, Mm. didn't seem to like music, (laughs) and just brought a really horrible energy. So I remember when I first had him thinking, I can never do music. Never. He made me feel so stupid about music. And he, he was... He was really from the classical background. So anyone out there who is classically trained or has any experience in the classical world, there's lots of rules. You can and you can't do these things. You can't have this interval with this interval. This is a wrong chord. This is a wrong melody note. And I was like, I don't know these things, so therefore I can't do this. And, you know, he made it very mathsy. Maths is my worst subject. So I just felt like it was just not a place for me at all. And then... I realised that I really loved music. Obviously, in the last episode, or no, the first episode, when we spoke about our sort of journeys, you'll hear about my story there. But like, I remember when I wanted to go study music um, when I was 18 on the diploma, I had to have grade five ABRSM theory. So for those of you out there, it's essentially like a standard uh, music qualification in in the UK, but also worldwide. ABRSM is a a worldwide sort of certification of of music. And so I had to go and get my grade five. And I thought, well, I'm not going to go to that teacher. Like, obviously (laughs) not. Um, And so I looked for a private tutor. And I will name this one because I, I owe him everything with teaching and he's the first person who changed my mind on what music teaching was like and it's Jeremy Stapleton I don't know if he's still alive I really hope he is if if he ever hears this I hope he hears it because he changed my world and I walked into his house and he was a jazz pianist but he did private teaching on the side you know like like we all do now and um I remember going in and he's like (laughs) it was so funny he was like 
so why are you here? You know, he was really like sort of like that. You know, and he sort of like always moved back and forth and was like, yeah, that's jazz. That's really cool. And I was just like, it's so different to the other teacher. And um, I was like, well, look, I want to do my grade five. I want to go study music. And he's like, oh, man, that sounds so great. So what's your challenges? You know, what are you finding difficult? And I was like, well, I just I can't do any of it. I just cannot. I can't get it in my head. I don't feel confident and stuff. And he just made it so fun mm. he was so funny i still use his teachings to the day so like he has a phrase about key signatures no sharps in the land of the flats or no flats in the land of the sharps and i <laughs> and i used to say that and i still say that to my students but he made it fun he demystified it for me he was just yeah. like it's just this that's all it is he's like that's all it is and he's like don't worry about that part they don't even ask that question anyway it was all that it was just like it was so inclusive about how to learn so that was my initial feeling on teaching, right? So when I was studying music, I realised in my second year that I quite liked the thought of talking about music and communicating music. So for my third year, my final year, they offered us a module where we studied teaching. It was a licentiate, which I don't even really know what that is now. Basically, it was almost like a partially qualified teaching status so you did all the sort of understanding of lesson planning and stuff like that and it was run and validated by uh, a company called rock school which is a very mm -hmm. big company particularly yep. in the uk but also worldwide i believe and you know it's the nuts and bolts of teaching basically and everybody did it it wasn't an, an elective which we have now is like our students can choose to do something in teaching it was just standard and as i learned more about teaching i was like i quite like this this is all right. I get it. This makes a lot of sense. And I had so many great teachers at ICMP. I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I can see why this is so important. I've had great teachers. And um, so I did that. It was really hard. <laughs> it was so difficult looking back <laughs> on it. Um, but during that time, we have part-time courses, obviously, as you know, that run here at ICMP mm -hmm. where they're not accredited. So they're not attached to qualifications and stuff. Um, and part-time bass one, which is essentially like, you know, the very foundations of bass playing, suddenly needed a tutor. And one of the tutors at the time phoned me and I remember being on holiday in Spain. I can remember the call. And he was like, hey, you know, I understand you're interested in teaching. Would you be interested in teaching this part-time course? Uh -huh. And I was like, yes. Even in my mind, I was like, I don't know if I'm ready, but yes, I would like to do that. So that was it. And then I went in, so I think it was on holiday for like another week. And then I came back and I taught my first class the following week. And I walked in, I was like, yeah, I can do this. And my teaching was probably horrendous back then, but I loved it. Yeah. I loved chatting to people. I felt like I understood their struggles because I had struggled so much as a, you know, as I said, I was not a good player when I was studying. I was one of the weakest ones. So I was like, okay, I really like this. And then, and I'm very grateful to ICMP for this, more opportunities came from that point. Now, we'll talk about this later on, but I bit off more than I could chew at one stage. And, Interesting. Um, yeah, I got burnt a few times and I'll, you know, I'll happily share those stories later on. But, and another shout out, <laughs> because I have to, because these people are really important to me in my journey, was meeting one of our best friends, Jonathan Whiskard, uh -huh. who was a bit older than me and 
we both fell into teaching at, at the same time, really. We both, through ICMP and interacting, we wanted to teach. And we, we would really love to teach at ICMP. And because the opportunities were available, it was the natural fit. So from that point on, I realised that once I've been burnt a few times, teaching is not easy. It looks really easy, but it is so not easy. And I realised that to be good at teaching, you were going to have to put just as much work, if not more, into the same as you would do with your music. So at that point, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm up for it. And then from that from that point on, it was just constant, just getting better, reflecting. And we'll talk all about that because it is basically the most important thing. Um, and yeah, more opportunities grew. And then through that, leadership opportunities grew and that's where obviously I am now as program leader but also you know leadership is something that I'm really passionate about and to me teaching and leadership go hand in hand and I you know again we'll talk about that later but I now look at teaching as not only not only one of the most uh, beneficial things that ever happened to my life but in many ways and I say this really honestly, I think it stopped me from being potentially a really not very nice person. Because I think... Really? Yeah, I think genuinely, I think if I hadn't have taught but still had the professional opportunities that I had, I would have got really arrogant and I think I don't think I would have been a nice person because I know what I was like back then. And teaching forced me to look at myself in a different way. And I was so, so grateful for that. So that was the biggest thing for me was realizing that teaching was a, a pathway to some personal demons as well. And some of this will tie into our mental health episode. But yeah, teaching has been... It's really interesting. It is honestly like I look at teaching and I mean, it breaks me sometimes. Mm. It really, it breaks me more than music ever does. And I, you know, you'll hear more about that. But it really saved me in many ways. And if I could go back and do all my time again... I might change a few things with my music career. I wouldn't change anything with my teaching career. Scene. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that was but, good. No, but genuinely, like, it was funny. Like, it's really interesting. You know, to hear obviously, that. we we plan the topics on this podcast, but I don't think about what I'm going to say. No. And I'm so, you know, I look into those big blue eyes and my heart just opens up. But no, but genuinely, that is, and I think it was really important for me to say that out loud yeah. because teaching is such a part of my life now. I don't reflect that far back i'm usually thinking what was the last lesson like yeah. how do i get it yeah, back? Yeah, yeah that sort of thing but um but yeah so that was it how about you that's uh, just before i sort of uh tell my story that's um this is why i love this podcast as well because it i think it for me it's almost like a therapy session it is it's just like reflection yeah. and you think back to things that maybe you haven't thought about for a while and it's just it's really interesting to hear your sort of you know your mindset and how you approach these things as well so it's 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 really i'm just kind of sitting here just taking it all in yeah. it's great me it's great. too it's, it's great. I, I love it and it's a safe space that's yeah. the thing like even though yeah. we're putting this out to anyone to listen to i don't really care like i trust you and for me i'm having the conversation with you yeah. that's that's the way i look at it sounds good mate um so i i'm trying to think where i started i when i moved to um to london so I was 18 and mm-hmm. I first went to drum tech. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I'd done any teaching before, but I think the thing that really excited me about it mm. was one, the possibility of working with up and coming musicians. And also because I loved my tutors at drum tech so much, 
I just kind of wanted to be them. So yeah. there was a couple <laughs> in general, uh, James Oscroft, um, Giuseppe, yeah. and Darren Ferrugia, sorry, who so were Eric amazing. Eric as well, wasn't it? Oh, sorry, Eric, how, how can I forget? I was going to say, you, yeah, I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, they, they were just so amazing. And I used to love the lessons because there was such structure and they had this like beautiful curriculum and everything was just really thought about and they seemed to really care about us as students, which mm. I loved. And so when I started getting gigs, I was like, I, I'd love to try, you know, some teaching. And I remember we did a few presentations at Drum Tech and stuff and I put my... I think I put an advert out or I applied to an advert or something like that for West London music tutors. Oh my God. With, with Reto. Reto. Mate. Have we never spoken about this? I don't think we have. Well, we were both on the same thing. That's yeah. ex- that was that was one of, outside of the part-time thing, that was my first private teaching was, yeah. was Reto. Reto. That's so funny. And it was really, it was interesting <laughs> back there. That's crazy, isn't it? I haven't thought about that for years. It was interesting because I, I didn't have anywhere to teach. So I used to go to... Oh, basically, for, for those of you listening, it's West London Music Tutors was basically like a teaching agency. And what they would do is they'd give you a profile, the first lesson they would take oh, as a right. fee. And then literally after that, the student was yours. And then oh you could God. kind of organise your lessons. Yeah. And so you kind of came up with your hourly fee and, and that was it. So I used to basically go to uh, Panic Music you know, in North Acton. Of course, yeah. And teach my students and I'd sort of block out, you know, block out like, I don't know, four hours for my students and then take a sort of a little cut off the top for the room, for the rental of the room. And that was my first kind of uh, look into it. And then I think I put an advert up on like Star Now oh or Gumtree. You are like throwing all the nostalgia yeah. my way. Star Now. Do you remember Star Now? Yeah, it's like, that was a dumpster fire of a website. You saw yeah. some really amazingly bad things on that because it was acting as well, right? It was basically a bit of everything. It was like it was like a sort of index of yeah. loads of creative people, like actors, uh, musicians, engineers, like loads of stuff. And they had, you had a profile, and then you could apply for work through it. Yeah. But because it was free, there was some really good stuff yeah. and some horrendous stuff. Yeah. But I did actually get a few students through there, and also the the next bit that I got was for a, a school in Maidenhead, I think it was. And I used to go to this school and basically teach their students. And the reason that ended, so that was that was great because I was doing one-to-ones and there was lots of different age groups, which was sort of good experience for me. Yeah. But that ended because he stopped paying me. And I, I remember... I do remember do you this remember, I think I do I was remember this now, yeah. And I had to get the Musicians Union involved to get yes. the money. And oh it, basically, God, I'd turn up and he'd be like, I'll just let yourself in because I had a key. And there'd be loads of posts of like all these bills on the floor that he hadn't paid. Yes! Oh my God, I'm so remembering this now. Mate, and I was like, this is... How old were you again then? I must have been early 20s. <laughs> That's wild, isn't it? Maybe. And I was like, That's that's worrying yeah, that, that he can't pay his bills and then I started it was like two months I hadn't been paid then three months and I just said to him I was like look man you've, you've got to pay me otherwise I'm not working anymore yeah. because I, you know Why I need to be you? paid for the work yeah. and then I'd speak to the parents um, of, the, of the students and they'd be like yeah we've paid I'm like oh, oh no. no this is worrying but I did get my money um, fair play to the musicians union for helping me out um, yeah. So that was so. Basically, I, I did that teaching for a while, and then I I started to get a bit fed up because the work was a little bit hit and miss. 
the hourly rate wasn't great and I was putting a lot of work into it and I was like not really getting back maybe what I was sort of putting in. So, and then I, you were teaching at ICMP. Yeah. And I remember saying to you, I was like, oh, I'd, I'd love to, to do that. Yeah. And I said, if any opportunities come up, let me know. And I remember you giving me a call for the part-time course yes. on drums. Yeah. And I was like, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I, I remember putting that lanyard on and I felt so cool, man. Mm. Like, you know, coming into like ICMP, this big building with all these like legendary tutors. And from, and to be fair, from our competitor, you yeah. had come from a major competitor and like, you know, there's loads of history there. We won't go into it, but like, you know, as with many businesses, there were stories there and you were coming from the competitor, which is really interesting when you think yeah. about it. Because now for me, you are ICMP. Yeah born and bred but you're not you were you know drum tech and that was a different vibe so that was quite a big deal to have you come in you know because obviously you were from the the other side as it were from the dark side the dark side yeah exactly <laughs> but i think the the one thing that i i suppose had on my side is that i had learnt at drum tech yeah so you know both the institutions yes they're different in some ways but they're also very similar yeah and, you know, the classes are very similar and like the LPW, you know, they've got the same name and they yeah. were at one time the same college anyway. Exactly. So when I came in, you know, I wasn't arrogant enough to think, right, I've got this. I was absolutely shitting myself. <laughs> yeah. Let's not get that twisted. Yeah, well, I remember that. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? I can just use some of the things that I picked up from the lessons that I've already had yeah. and use that in my favour. So when I... I got in there and did the first um, part-time course. I think I had like 10 students, which, you know, for someone that's just done one-to-one -one parent-teaching. That is a lot. To go from one to Man. 10, that's even one to two is like a different ball game. So Tell one to 10, fair it. play. And I, was, I remember walking in, everyone's just like looking at me going, <laughs> teach me something. I was like, yeah. oh my God, I'm here now. Yeah. But I've always been, uh, for teaching and for gigs and everything like that, I like and I thrive off throwing myself into the deep end yeah and i have sleepless nights yeah and i stress myself out but i do it because i'm like right i've just got to do this now mm. and i'll make mistakes and i'll probably fall on my ass but mm. if i don't do it yeah i'll never know yeah so when i got in there and you know i had all these students i got a massive kick out of it i mm. loved it and i really i think the thing i love about teaching so much is like passing on some of the information that I have mm. to the next generation of musicians coming up. And it was just, I, I got, I don't know, I felt really proud yeah. to put that ICMP lanyard on and come in and teach that part-time course. Yeah. And then I was kind of similar to you. I basically then started, I mean, the next thing that you offered me was Cardiff. Cardiff. Yeah, Cardiff was a big turning point for, for you and your development here. Yeah, That was... You know, to be totally fair, that was a trial by fire because, yeah. you know, basically the background of this was we franchised out the program that we teach on now to another university because they wanted to, you know, that we're known for the quality of our education and just like any good product, you want to sell it off mm. to other people if they, if they want it. So we did a trial down in University of South Wales and um, it was literally, we take the BMUS program, our program, down there and run it from there with you know their gear and you know i'd never been to wales 
before going to Cardiff. It's the first time I went to Cardiff, I think. Or first time I went to Wales that I can remember. I might have gone when I was a kid, but I don't remember it. And um, it was such a great experience, that. But, I mean, that was tough. First of all, it was a tough day because we were leaving Paddington at, what, 7am? No, no earlier than that. It was like half six or something. So up at five-ish. And then not back till half ten. And you're only teaching for like six hours that day. So a lot of it was just travel and... But we had some. I mean, we had some great times on those trains. <laughs> Getting a bottle of wine oh, for the train. God, home, the dr- yeah, the train drinking in the evening was was my <laughs> well, watching the office. Yeah, watching the office drinking cheap. Well, not cheap really. Just Marks and Spencer's red wine it was lovely. But yeah, that was. Um, it's really funny now with like insider knowledge on that. That was a real trial, and for us to go down there, that was a tough gig because obviously it wasn't just us. There was a couple of other people who went down there. But it really was a make or break situation for that. It didn't work out the way that, you know, we wanted to. So, you know, past is the past. That's fine. And we're certainly in a really strong position now. But yeah, Cardiff was big. That was when I, well, I was kind of not put in charge because that someone else was in charge. But I was definitely being asked to put people in place for stuff. And ultimately, that was going to come back to me. I mean, you were the first choice. Of course you were. Like, I, I wouldn't want to have done that without you. Mm. Like, it was... And you know nothing else. It was having your, one of your best friends there that yeah. made such a big difference. But that was a big gig to go. There. I mean, you'd only been teaching in higher education for what two years. Well, I mean, was I th- it more than that? I can't, you know, I can't remember to be totally honest. But it wasn't long. Yeah, I think the thing for me was that you know I've always looked up to you for the education. You yeah, know, for the education side, I just I, you, nothing you, else. Nothing else. Not fashion. Just the teaching. Just the teaching. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. I say so bad. I've just looked up to you (laughs) for the education side. (laughs) Everything else, you're dead to me. Yeah, you're basically rubbish. But but you know what I mean? Because you've you've got so much experience. You're so good at what you do. And I've just, I've always looked up to you for the the teaching, especially because you're just very successful what you do. And also, Mm. I like how open and honest you are with it all. And you're very, you know, this, you know, I've tried this. I fell on my ass. It didn't work. So, when we went to Cardiff, there's no way I would have done that without you because oh, I knew that yeah. you would kind of take the lead and I could learn. You know, I, I had some things to offer. Yeah, yeah. oh, you did, definitely, without but a doubt. at the same time, it was like I, I needed you there to, for kind of support and also to kind of run it and then I can kind of chime in when yeah, I need to. absolutely. But it was. We literally, we, so we went to Cardiff Uni- University and we teach the live performance and a couple of like instruments sort of specific classes mm. And um, it's funny, isn't it? Because looking back now with sort of, the, you know, with more experience, I would have done it so differently. Oh, my God, me too. Yeah. But at the same time, we had a real great time there. And also we met some lovely Such guys. Such lovely people. Like um, so Elliot. Elliot. John. John, John Good. John uh, Good. Was it Kirsty? Yes. She was, I mean. Ryan. R- oh, Ryan. And also some yeah. of the guys as well, like Carwin. Yeah, um, oh god, we're still friends with Jacob. them now. Jacob, yeah. There's so many lovely guys. Nathan, there's some really lovely guys there and like some of the students were amazing. Well, all of the students were amazing. And um that was cuz after that, <clears throat> so we taught there for what a couple of years, a year. Yeah, I think it was two, like, two just years. under 2 years, 18 months or something like that. We did a year, then a second year, then the team cha- it was let's say 2 years, just yeah. for argument's sake, let's say 2 years. And then the team changed and we came back to London. Yeah. And then I remember being in the gym and this this is the moment I remember it like it was yesterday. Ooh, this is where okay. it all changed for me. I remember being in the gym and it was either you or um, Chuck Sabo. Yeah. I think it was you. Messaged me and I was literally like, I don't know, doing 
bench press. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. call it bench press. Yeah. Doing that. And I, my phone went off and I saw this message and it was like, uh, hey man, Chuck Sabo needs to dep out a class. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. I think you should apply for it. And basically he was looking for someone. At that time, yeah. you could kind of dep it out to whoever. Yeah, it's very so, different back then. Very different. So I was like, oh my God, this is so scary. Like Chuck Sabo, like a oh God, legend. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got a fill in for him. And I was like, fuck it. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Yeah, so I replied to you and I was like, put me in. Yeah. And mate, I remember that first class. Like I was... It was LPW, not... wasn't it? So you would have been in with another... Was no. it? Was it just so drummers? It, it was LPW and it was just oh, the drummers. Double bubble. Which, Woo! you know, when you're... So for those of you... um you know, teachers out there or that, you you know, for those of you who haven't taught before, the class that I was walking into or the classes were basically uh, beamers. So it's degree level and you're teaching about 15 drummers at yeah. the same time. Yeah, yeah. And then in the performance classes, it can be up to sort of 30 students and they're all good players. Yeah. And walking into that environment and I wasn't that much older than a lot of them as well. I and mean, some of them are probably older than me, actually. That was probably mm. one of the scariest. Like I've never, I don't think I've ever been as scared uh for teaching or like or a gig that that between gigging and teaching that was probably the scariest moment i've ever had because you're delivering information mm. and they want to learn something you've got a massive responsibility on your shoulders mm. and for me i walked out and i was like this is what i want to do but mm. wow i've got some work to do yeah. and that's what kind of gave me a kickstart and then i remember chuck giving me a couple more hours which yeah. was like right okay i must have done an okay job yeah for sure and then it kind of went from there and, and you know here we are what like 10 years later yeah just over something like that yeah so it's yeah it's been amazing yeah and i'm i thank you know massively thank icmp for like trusting in me and giving me the opportunity because i i know this like people say this and it might sound a bit cheesy but the the community at icmp is amazing absolutely and i i really pride myself and also i think you know icmp are very proud oh, yeah. of the community that they cultivate and i i would argue we've probably got one of the i'm going to say it, we've got one of the best communities oh in we, london without a doubt i, we, I hear without from people that have gone to auditions at other colleges and stuff and this is you know nothing bad on the other colleges because all the colleges in london are great but yeah. they do say something about icmp is different with the community and I, I i agree like you see all the students they're not even coming in for lessons just coming out coming in to hang out yeah you know, even when they're not in lessons, and I think there's there's something to be said about that, and I'm I'm really proud of the way that we all deliver at yeah. ICMP, and and that community is is super strong. I couldn't agree more, and I think actually community is a really important word because it's really interesting hearing your story because obviously with us together, like again, we're going to cover this in our working with your best friend episode, but like. You and I have so many ways our lives interact and we have to have different roles. Mm. So, you know, when I sit there and listen to that, I think, oh, my best friend's telling me his story. Also, one of my team is yeah. telling me their story. And I think about that and I think it's so interesting how you just, because you talk about that, but you, you clearly go back to that part. You, you say it like you're there again. Which is so interesting because for me, teaching is not going in there and being like, these people need something. Agreed. Because that to me is like, it's game over. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's game over. And I really, you know, we'll get into this in a second, but 
I have gone back and forth for the last 10 years about what teaching means to me and how me too. how I feel it, what teaching really is. And it's really funny because there's so many crossovers in that story. You could have swapped teaching for gigging there. Someone gave me a call. Can you jump in? Yeah. If you get if you do it well, more work will come your way. There's this sense of constant um, opportunities snowballing down the line. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that's not really the case in some teaching. Like, let's say you go into primary schools, for example, like I say proper teaching. You know what I mean when I say that. Yeah. Like full time, that's your job. You get qualified teaching status and in you go. And you stay with a school. You could stay with a school for like seven years, but you're not going to get any more opportunities outside that you are with that that school whereas with what we do with higher education you could be moved around and lots of different places you know external stuff all of that stuff it's really interesting to think about that now because teaching for me community is so important because if you think about teaching in its earliest form it's community how did people learn before they could learn You'd learn from the elders. Yeah, very true. Right? You learn from your people. So there's definitely this sense of elders as well, like older people passing knowledge down, which again, I would really challenge that because I think it sets up a real weird barrier between age groups when you go and meet someone. I also think it's really important that we respect experience, but I think there's a lot of history there that that potentially may not be as um, relevant as it could be today. But if you think about it, really, People learn in groups, right? So to go back to the story when I said I had a really bad teacher, if I think back to that time now with the eyes that I have and the experience I have as a teacher now, it would have been so easy to fix it. Yeah. It's so interesting thinking about teaching. And and like, please, if you're an educator out there, please comment about your experiences because I'm so interested in how it how it happens for other people I listen and follow so many um Instagram accounts on, on some really great teachers and like mm-hmm. they just put all their stuff out there. that's so interesting um but for me teaching and community is so important because the one thing that I think I never understood really to be totally honest till about three years ago pre-covid just before covid maybe a year or two between covid responsibility yeah I never thought it was my job as a student to learn. I always thought it was my teacher's job to teach me. And that in itself has changed the entire way that I run my life as a teacher now. Well, the other thing I was going to say as well, responsibility also on the sort of the tutor's shoulders Mm. is that I think, you know, when you said about your uh, your teacher at primary school Mm. and about how he he just seemed to hate it. I I never get that. I know obviously people have got to make money and, you know, it's their job and stuff, but... I feel with teaching, there is, although like you're saying about this, that there's a responsibility as a student to kind of go away and do your own learning. Yeah. I think also as a tutor, you have a lot of responsibility on your shoulders because you are passing down information to Definitely. Uh, your students. And I think, you know, if you hate it that much, why are you there? Don't do it. I just, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I just really don't agree with that. And I think I've got... A few things to say about that kind of responsibility when we talk about some of the negatives yeah, towards sure. teaching. I've, I've, sure. I've thought quite long and hard about that. Um, so let's I tell you what. Let's let's move on. If that's yeah, okay. no, that's so absolutely yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I would like so I want to kind of start this section off. So the positives of teaching. Mm-hmm. I would like you. Yeah, I'm basically just yeah. I love this, this. I feel like I'm on with uh, Graham Norton. There we go. So I would like you to 
go into and sort of tell me about one positive like the one of the most positive experiences you've had with either a group of students or one student oh like a like a, a light bulb moment or <laughs> i know there's probably loads yeah. but just if can you can you think of one particular one that really stands out yeah i can yeah and it's it's all comes from the same place as well so ironically it's nothing to do with bass at all i've had some really great moments with bass but the ones that i've really stuck with me is theory teaching theory cool so I started off my professional career as a teacher teaching theory, which is ironic because theory was the thing that I was so bad at and made to feel terrible about by my bad teacher. So yeah, there's, there's loads in that. But yeah, there have been times where I have sat down with students and I'm, I'm not being arrogant. Like there's been too many to count. It's more this, this experience happens a lot. And I, every time it happens, I'm just like, oh, that's why I'm doing this. It's for those moments is where someone walks in and you can see on their face that theory has beaten them down. Someone has told them that you're not a musician because you don't know theory. And this is not just, um, this isn't one instrument group. This comes from all sorts of places. But when I sit down and teach theory to students, the first thing I want to do with them is to be, make it very clear to them that there is nothing wrong with them. Because a lot of people carry theory like a sort of, dunce's cap on their Mm. head like someone is somewhere they have been told that theory is not good and therefore they can't be a musician or even if they have been told it word for word they are interpreting it like that so the first thing i do with my students is we talk about what theory really is and essentially to me it's language you're learning language and why do we learn language well put yourself in this position if you're in a foreign country where you don't speak the language and you're desperate for the toilet there is nothing more frustrating than not being able to communicate someone i'm going to piss myself tell me where I'm going yeah so I always use that I say well wouldn't it be great if you had the word for toilet in any country you go to and that's what theory is for me so what I try to do with my students is just say look let's chip away all of this story behind this and let's just look at it for what it is it's a language and those how many words five words sorry yeah five words When I hear this, it's like my soul is filled up. Oh, that's what it is. Where the moment they go, this is not as hard as I thought it was. And actually, it's not me. I'm not the problem. This just hasn't been explained in that way. And when you see them have those first building blocks to harmony and they realize that they've suddenly been given their first box of Lego now where they can build anything they want and that's what they were wanting that to me is the best moments because i think with teaching obviously giving back is really important but it's more than that giving back is kind of essentially a little bit of like giving back and making myself feel better Mm. that kind of thing but actually for me it's about just giving someone something and then just stepping away i mean that's that's yours now you know, I was given it by someone. So you pass it down and you pass it down and you pass it down. And that kind of thing. So that for me have been the most positive experiences when someone has gone, oh, that's what it is. And then they're like, I see where I've gone wrong. And it's almost like you give them freedom now to move forward. And I think those moments are the key moments for me. And like that could appear in loads of times, but theory, it always shows up every single year. I've already had it this year, one person. And, you know, it's just brilliant. So that's that's the one for me. Amazing. Mm. How about you? So obviously there's that kind of that light bulb moment. I think that's great. And it's it's lovely when you can kind of pass some information to someone and they, you know, 
That's how. Yeah. That's what it is. That's great. But for me, it comes down to that sense of community again. And the other day, one of my students was struggling with something. And one of my students was absolutely nailing it and had it down. And I obviously always offer support. Mm. But after the class, I was actually going to go and have a word with the student, be like, you know, is there anything I can do? And what actually happened was the student that was nailing it had gone over and was helping the other student with this exercise. And the next week they came in and absolutely had it down, nailed it. And that sort of confidence. And I think when I when I first, especially with the drummers, so at ICMP, the when the drummers first come into my class, I kind of, you know, tell them it's gonna be a safe space and we I want to build this kind of community, you know, because they're gonna be with these drummers for the next three years. Yeah. And I think the thing I love so much about ICMP is that, you know, they all become friends and like like a big family, really. Yeah. And I just say to them that, you know, we've got to work together as a community and and help and and celebrate each other. And it was just so nice that, you know, they're they're helping each other out. And rather than me, because obviously if they need something, they can come to me and and ask for my support. But it was so lovely that with one of his friends who was doing so well, they got together and figured it out themselves. And it's like, you know, they've got the tools there but it's, it's just kind of making it work. And it was lovely that they were able to have that conversation and then make it work like that. That's amazing. That is really, that is a huge part when your work is done mm. and you step away and it's it's happening. And I think with community as well as another word that goes hand in hand, which is culture, the culture you create in, yeah. your, in your classes. And, you know, I look back in my school life and I think that was a really toxic culture. It was not good. Mm. It was dangerous actually, because it just sets children up to fail because you don't get to learn, you learn to pass assessments. That's There is no emphasis on learning. The emphasis on get a good mark on your grades because it makes our school look good. Yeah, it's very true. That is how I learn. I, I, I was never asked what I thought. I was never asked to reflect. I was never asked to offer my feedback. It was turn up, learn, and if you don't get good grades, we're going to, first of all, punish you and put you in some kind of detention or something like that. You're not going to know really why. And this is about us and it's not about you. And I think about that now and I think that is shameful. Yeah. And, and look, this was a good 20 years ago, so things were different, but it's not that different. And I think you're right. If you can, if you can breed a culture where trust, honesty and responsibility just come in hand in hand you don't really have to think about them that's just what's expected and they really get it you can do anything with students and and i've seen this with students where you come they come in and you think okay technically from a technical aspect you are of the lower level right but you really want this don't you you really care about this and if you can set them up for the space to say anything is possible and really mean that not anything is possible and then just basically try and manipulate them into doing what you wanted them to do in the first place which is you know we all fall into that trap sometimes it happens but when you can say to someone look this is where we make the mistakes and there is no judgment here we're here to learn what you do is people start to find their place in that culture and you basically 
you basically give the opportunity for truly exceptional and amazing and transformational experiences to happen and i think that's what you've described there basically what you've done is you've set up a culture in your classroom and the irony is this is nothing to do with your nuts and bolts teaching this is just about culture and how you set it up and something has happened where a student has gone when we see one of our own fall we pick them up 100 percent. and it's that type of thing you know it's kind of like forrest gump you know on the back of the shoulders no man left behind type mm. thing and if nothing else if they didn't know a single thing about drumming but they left with that life lesson that was worth it for that. Do you know what it's, I mean? Because there's not a lot true. of that out there. I think culture is so important. And it's funny, like, I've noticed that in your classes as well. Like, there is That's a right. real sense of culture there. And I think there's something about drumming. I've seen it with other drummers too. But there's something with this instrument that breeds a sense of community. Maybe because you have to keep swapping round. Because it's not like you have 12 kits in the room. It's very true. There's that sense of... I'm at the kit now and everyone isn't. So I know you've got pads and stuff, but I don't know. That's that's just a off the top of my head thought. Maybe there's something to do mm. with that. Whereas when you're teaching bassists, for example, they've all got basses on their laps and it could potentially, you know, they can all play at the same time. I wonder if there's something in that. But yeah, there's, there's something about culture in there, but I think it's so important. Mm. And it's so lovely that you had that and lovely for those students. Yeah, I think so. I, th I think something to, I suppose you you learn from sort of past experiences and stuff. But when I was at drum tech, yeah. they, when you first joined the course, they told you that there wasn't, the classes weren't based on level. They definitely were. Oh, they were streamed, were they? hundred yeah, yeah, percent. Yeah. So there was classes <laughs> one to eight and I was in eight. And when you looked at the class one, all the, they were ninja drummers. They all knew what they were talking about. You know, they had so much past experience. Yeah. I knew nothing. Yeah. I was definitely in class eight for a reason. <laughs> But we had such a lovely community in class eight because we were kind of like the underdogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we all supported each other. And I think when I see uh, my drummers at the moment, there's such a lovely community there. And it's basically those those lessons, those hour or two hour lessons, we basically just hang out and talk about drums and we share ideas and we create grooves together. And there's something real special about maybe some of the drummers, when, like you say, when they come in, they're not you know, not saying they're bad at all, no. but they might not be, you know, as technically advanced as some of the other drummers. And the one thing I love is when they use the other drummers as like a benchmark and like, do you know yeah. what? I'm going to use that yeah. and I'm going to practice my ass off and I'm going to really get involved. And then they start like catching up. Yeah. yeah. And some of the drummers at the moment, like they're all sounding amazing, but some of the drummers that maybe didn't have as much experience are like really playing now and it's so lovely to see because they they get such pride out of their you know their hard work and their achievements because they've had to work that little bit harder yeah and I, I there's something really amazing to watch about that and there's there's a couple this year that have are just just nailing it now yeah. because they've put in so much hard work and it's really lovely to see i think First of all, that's such an amazing story. And I'm so pleased that that's what's happening. Because obviously, mm. from a program leader perspective, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is good. Everything this is, is good. fine. <laughs> no, but it's great. But I think the other thing as well is that um, that is not easy to make happen. And competition can be really toxic. Because you are talking about competition there, but you're seeing it in the most healthy way. So you've created a culture where competition is like it's part of inspiration and aspiration. And I think that's so powerful because 
actually, if you take that into the industry now, let's face it, we all have our idols that we look up to. I don't see Pino Palladino as competition as in I have to beat him. I see him as, oh my goodness, that's the sort of player I would love to be. Yeah. And I think with school, and this this comes back to the way that grades happen, that you're assigned a number, the value system of school and all of these things. And of course, yeah, there are gradings, I suppose, in the industry. You could say your followers, your streams. Have you won any um, Grammy? You know, There are stuff yeah, you could course, measure. Course. But it's not really about that. It's about the gigs you're doing. It's about how you feel about those gigs, You know, your presence, all those things. So you come in and you're like, okay, you have to get A's or whatever. And I think it's numbers now. I don't even know what the school system grades at. But let's just say the old school days of A's and A stars and things like that. You really come in with this kind of, I'm an A, I'm a B, I'm a C. And then you come into higher education and someone walks into like your classroom and you go, okay, we're here to learn, me included. I don't know about you, but I never heard a teacher or tutor or anyone of any kind of teaching authority say to me, I'm here to learn too. That's it true. It was always, do as I say. Yeah. And I am the expert here. Well, mate, today right? we when we were we were basically creating grooves and basically uh, they were push. I, I sort of encouraged them to push themselves into a bound, like into a really uncomfortable um, place in their playing. So nice. a groove they wouldn't usually go for, maybe technically or I don't know, but something they wouldn't usually draw for, and to try and push themselves as much as possible, yeah. whether that be with four way coordination or different accents or ghost notes or whatever, and. I took pictures of all their grooves because they were awesome. Yeah. And I said to them, I was like, it's a bit of a running joke now because I get my phone out. I'm just like, zoink, and yeah. just take a little picture on the whiteboard and because I want to celebrate what they're doing. And also, yeah. you know, to let them know that I'm learning from them. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. And some of, the, some of the grooves they come up with today, I'm like, I'm going to have to go away and practice some of those because yeah. they're, they're work in progress for the students but also for me and it's like I'm not arrogant enough to say well you know if you put that up I can play it straight away it's yeah. like they're really good and you guys are smashing it and I'm going to have to go away and work on some of those and just you know we're all in the same boat here and it's like I'm I'm learning for them as much as they are from me and it's again that community that sense of community totally and like to go back to the whole community thing and like the old school ways of learning you know that phrase it takes a village to raise a baby that sort of thing where you know you need support you need people to to sort of weigh in if you think about that in that way of course you should be learning mm. too because this is the thing with with teaching and this is where a lot of teachers get this wrong they go in with i have to know everything and if i don't know everything they're going to find me out and i'm going to get caught that imposter syndrome the classic imposter syndrome right yeah. and i know we're going to touch on that but if you can if you can reframe the way you are teaching to a, a learning partner, let's say, right? If you can view teaching as a relationship of my job is to first of all kind of structure. You know, people are, you know, higher education, you've paid money to be at university. There has to be some sort of structure. It's not just a free-for-all, make it up as you go along. No matter how good you are as a teacher, structure is really important. And a system of kind of, you know, familiarity, people know what they're going to get and you can build those things. But if you can build a culture where you say, right, we are all here to learn, you can actually allow for more 
greater and deeper learning than you ever would even if you gave them one-on-one detailed everything's planned to the nth degree you need those moments of freedom and there's so much research out there about experimentation in in playfulness in in learning Mm. because if you think about how we learn when we're younger look at young children they learn by just mucking around having that sense of freedom and as we get older that gets bashed out of us more and more no no learning looks like this this is what good learning looks like i think that can work for certain subjects i don't think it works for music i think you have to have a playfulness a freedom because passion and i suppose business are intertwined as a professional musician you've got to have that space so for me it's like I say to my students, unless it's kind of assessment time, but even then, what you learn when you leave this room is more important than any performance you do here. Because I'm not going to be there in two years' time. These people are not going to be there. You're going to be on your gigs, doing your stuff, making mistakes, like the rest of us. What you learn about yourself and what you ascribe the value to be is way more important than what I think. And it shouldn't be about what I think anyway. Yeah. It's all, you know, it's all systems. But I think that's so important. And the fact that you've got that in your classroom, there is no wonder you are seeing people develop so quickly. They're trusting, they're safe. Yep. And you're modeling vulnerability to them. So they look at it and go, you know, I can say this hand on heart, your students massively admire you. You can see it in the way they talk to you, the respect level, all that stuff, which is lovely. Because, of course, that's a lovely thing. That's how we felt when we were being taught. It's lovely to have a tutor where you're like, ah, yeah, that's where I'm going. That's what I want. But they see you as a person who makes a mistake and looks around and goes, see? Yeah. No one died. Well, mate, the other thing is as well is if I if I don't know what I'm talking about, if, if someone asks me a question, I'm like, I don't know. I don't make it up. I just go, do you know what? I actually don't know that, but I will go and find out for you because there's nothing worse than just like, it, it's okay if you don't know it. Of course it is. You know, it doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means you don't know that information. Just go and have a look at, you know, look it up and find out for yourself. Because there's lots of stuff you do know. Exactly. That's the thing. You do know a lot of stuff. So... Let's. I want to. I want to get into um, just looking at the time here. Yeah, so yeah. I, I want to no, get into um, some of the the negatives of teaching because there's a lot of positives as we just talked yeah. about there. And I, if you don't mind, yeah, I just like first. to start this off because of I think the thing for me and that word responsibility keeps on coming up. And for me, I really started to to see some negatives in around the sort of teaching world mm. when the pandemic uh, hit. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I think change. what happened was, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is just kind of, I suppose, my opinion. But yeah. I remember the pandemic came and everyone lost their live work, right? Yeah. <laughs> so all musicians were like, overnight, oh my God, I've got no live work. So what a lot of people started to do was like live streaming or all these things online. Obviously, you know, an obvious one is to teach. Of course. And I think now with social media, just because you have a platform doesn't necessarily mean oh, you have to use it. Oh my God, yeah. And I think what happened was everyone lost their work. So people were like, well, I might as well do some teaching. Yeah. And I think everyone deserves to teach. I love it. It's a, you know one of my biggest passions. And I think everyone deserves an opportunity. 
it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be good at it. Absolutely. And also, I think some people went into it and just like, I can play my instrument. I'll be able to teach. Easy. Yeah. And what I started to see online was so many teachers like flooding the market, saying a lot of stuff that was wrong. And I saw this one in particular video, and I'm not going to name who it was, but there was something like 50,000 views and it was wrong. The subject that he was teaching, the information that he was putting out to the public across social media was so not even a little bit wrong, so wrong. And I will go to that video that we talked about a little while ago. Do you remember that famous one about the triplets? One of my favourites. So I'm not sure if anyone's favourite. (laughs) Comment comment if you've seen this. And it's quite funny, but also kind of proves my point. (laughs) There was this video uh, quite a few years ago on YouTube. And it was this metal drummer, and he was doing a lesson on how to play triplets. So for those of you out there that are not musicians, triplets basically sound like this. So if that's your tempo, it's one triplet, two triplet, three triplet, four triplet. He was going da 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 which is one e and a, two e and a, one e and a, two e and a, three, da 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 da. And he basically did. He basically came on. He was like, "Hey guys, welcome to my lesson on triplets. This is a triplet." And he was like, "Da da 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 da. da. That's not a triplet. That is not a triplet." He finished it by going, "That's a triplet." (laughs) Yeah. And he finished it. He was like, "Here's here's some triplets with some fancy stuff." Oh god. I was like, "Do you know?" I know we're having a laugh here and joking and stuff, but there was something like five million views on there. And loads of people commenting, going, thanks so much, man. Amazing lesson. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so dangerous. And I'm not saying everyone does this. But my point being, I don't know everything at all. I'd never say that. I'll never know everything. But I have done a lot of research into the information that I'm teaching. And also, again, if I'm going to teach something, I just, I first of all, I make sure the information I'm teaching is correct. And I feel like... During the pandemic and social media, people were just like, well, I need some money. I'll just teach. And a lot of them now that they've gone back to their live work are not teaching anymore. And I, th- I think you've got such a responsibility mm. towards your students because one, they're giving you some of their hard-earned cash. Yes. Two, what happens, so put this, like, you know, think about this for a sec. What happens if you get taught something that's completely wrong and then they go into a working situation and, like, the musical director goes play a triplet and they go da 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 and they're like that's not a triplet and they're like yes it is it's it's very dangerous yeah. and then what happens if they start teaching people well, and this, it's this just it. all these people that don't know the information and also I think just when you're as you can see I'm very passionate about this yeah. but when you're kind of getting into this stuff like check your information as well there's there's a lot out there online that's really good and there's a lot out there that's really bad. And, you know, all these transcriptions out there, a lot of them are great and a lot of them are wrong. Yeah. And I think go to creditable sources, go to people with good reviews, go to people that are clearly have got a lot of success with t- with teaching, like big platforms, like Scott's Bass Lessons is amazing. Yeah, Scott's Bass Lessons and Mike Drumio, Johnson, Drumio. Mike, yeah, There are some really great yeah. platforms out there already, for sure. They're professionals in the industry. They know what they're talking about. And I just think that responsibility, it's like as, as tutors, we don't know everything. That's just so arrogant to say that. But, you know, I think if you are going to teach, you need to do your research and you, mm, yeah. you've got a real, a, a great deal of responsibility towards your students. And it's like, 
if you don't know something, then go and do your research and mm -hmm. learn it. And also maybe if you're a little bit unsure, just check yeah. and don't like then put a video out there. And I think because we've got social media now, it's literally you can just get your phone and record a lesson and put it out there for everyone to see. I just think it's, you know, it's like in the pandemic when people were putting their opinions out there as if they were fact. And it's yeah. like, you do realise that's not actually true yeah. with, any, with any information. I think that's the only downside to social media. With linked teaching, yeah. 100%. And I, yeah, I think just it's that that information that is quite clearly wrong. Yeah. And especially the younger students that are just, you know, lapping it up. Yeah. And it, I just think that's quite dangerous. I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think actually, like, my God, does this open up a can of worms? Because it's like the only reason that people are able to do that is because the internet has given every single person a voice. That's the truth, right? Because if you had to go and subscribe, sorry, subscribe, um, apply for a teaching position and do that sort of content, it'd be sniffed out straight away. It'd be of like, course. that's not a triplet. What on earth are you talking about? You know, you can't teach chemistry wrong. You can't teach Italian wrong. Yeah. Like there are rules and conventions. Now I am going to say at this point that rules and conventions are definitely there to be challenged because there's a lot of bad tradition in everything that we teach. We should always be reflecting and always developing. However, we do need to have a sense of reality of what is something and what is not something. The problem is with the internet is that anyone can just stand in front of the camera and say, this is a triplet. Da, 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 da. No one can stop them. People can comment and say, that's not a triplet. You are teaching it wrong. They could put up another video. Yeah. And the problem is that people, the thing is with teaching, because it's such a social thing, if you've got a good personality, you are probably more predisposed to being a good teacher because communication is so much about teaching. Oh, that was my tummy. It made a little funny noise. Um, like <laughs> you're predisposed to that sort of thing because you can blag it. We know and we've seen based on what you've just said there, there are people who will blag teaching, right? Mm. And if you've got a bit of bit of something to you, you could blag it. Of course you could. And people would be like, oh, they were really exciting and really engaging. They've also told you all of it wrong, but don't mm. worry about that. So you can do it to some degree. And then your weaknesses get revealed very quickly when your personality doesn't take you any more than that. And my thing with teaching in the negative sense is that, very similar to you, responsibility, but also you could damage, destroy, permanently mentally scar someone with the interaction they have with you as a teacher. By definition, calling yourself a teacher, a tutor, a something that, that implies education, you are suddenly put in a place in their mind. If I say my friend's coming over to show me how to put up my um, picture frame, right? Cool, my friend comes over and shows me how to put up a picture frame. It's my friend. If I say a professional is coming over to put, teach me how to put up a picture frame, whether my friend is better than them or not, irrelevant. The status of having that name as a teacher puts you in a certain place in someone's mind. So when you go and meet a student, they are going in from that place and you are going in from that place. That is a powerful relationship. Mate, couldn't agree more. It's so dangerous because 
if I go back to my story and think about that teacher, yes. and I didn't then meet Jeremy, who showed me the other side, I would be sitting here now at 35 years old, probably doing something very different to this, thinking... God, I love music, but I could never do it. I was told I was not good enough, and no, I couldn't do that. Yeah. That is fucking unacceptable. I'm yeah. sorry, that's not okay. We cannot say to people, we cannot not, <laughs> we cannot not appreciate as tutors the impact we have on our students yeah. in that level. Everything we say to them, particularly in the creative arts, because it's so linked to their passion, they so, you know, it means so much to them. You are responsible for every single word you say to that that student. Now, I'm not saying that we can't make mistakes at all. We all make mistakes. Of course. Own it. Step it back. By the way, guys, last week I, I said this. Do you know what? I did a little bit of research on this. And actually, I was wrong. It wasn't that. It was this. Isn't that crazy? That is modelling the behaviour we need to see more of. Not yeah. this kind of, I am the teacher. And that is that. My word is gospel. My word is gospel. It is ridiculous. And I I, I find it, I, as you can hear, I'm quite angry about it because I see so much arrogance in teaching sometimes. Yes. It's, and, a, it's and a hierarchy. It's, the, it? hier it's, it's the, the power over. It's yeah. the power over people. And it's like, I'm sorry, but you are a whisper away from a bully. Yeah. You are a bully with a lanyard. And that is not okay. And, and you know, and I say this to anyone, if, if you're listening and you're thinking, do you know what? I would do some teaching for the money, but I don't think I'd be going into it for the right reasons. Stay away. We do not need more people putting that vibe out there. There's plenty of things other people can do. Don't come and blag teaching and come at it from, as long as I know one more lesson than the kid, it's fine. You know, that kind yeah. of thing. So if you're going to become a teacher, if you want to actually invest in it, it is going to be difficult. It's going to cost you money, probably. It's going to cost you a hell of a lot of time and sanity and all of those things. Don't think it's easy because it really, well, it's very easy to be average. Very easy. It is not easy to be good at it. And I respect so many people who say, I could never teach. I think, oh, why is that? Oh, I just, I don't care about people enough. I'm like, thank <laughs> yeah. God you're not a teacher. Thank God. Thank you so much for not being a teacher. Do you know what I mean, though? It's, yeah. and, I, and I know, you know, this is quite inflammatory stuff I'm saying, but I've seen the damage. I've seen it. And, mate, you know, if, you, if I take sort of some of our first years, for example, they're so hungry to get into the industry. 100%. And if we don't do our job properly... We might put them off Absolutely. forever. And I want them to experience what we've experienced because I fucking love my job. Absolutely. I love doing this. I love sitting here with you knowing that we met each other because of music and we've had both some lovely careers so far with many more years to go. Yeah. And that fills me with so much joy. And I think that is, I think the word I'm taking away from today is responsibility yeah 100%. That's, that's the key word and if you know if if you guys listening have any thoughts on this we'd love to hear what you guys think and i think if anyone's looking to get into teaching like ben said like just really question you know why, why you want to get into <laughs> yeah. it and also if you do please just put the work in because you know I, i'm i've still got so many more years and, and so much work to do as a tutor but i do take it very seriously and i i you know there's there's a quite a long process that goes into me preparing my lessons and you know my syllabus for the semester and sort of you know prepping for the students because i want to give them the best experience they can possibly have with what i have to offer absolutely i personally think 
there's another three hours of this conversation yeah. to go. And I think maybe later on in this season, we will do another one on teaching, particularly how it influenced building behind the beat and what we were trying to avoid. Yes. Um, but for now, thank you so much for stopping by. And again, thank you, mate, for, for sharing your stuff. Again, I'm learning so much. Absolute pleasure, mate. That was really interesting to hear your approach to teaching. And I think, like we said before, if you guys are looking to get into it, it's, it's a really rewarding 100%. job. All right, then. Lots of love, everyone. See you next time. See ya. Cheers. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Beats and Best Friends, a Behind the Beat production. It was recorded at ICMP Queen's Park. The intro music features John Harris on drums, Ben Jones on bass, Adam Goldsmith on guitar and Nick Ferry on keyboards. Thanks for stopping by and we'll see you on the next session.